But I, I, I want to also share a brief word with you this morning uh, about hospitality, uh, which I think is, you know, uh, very in line with what we just heard and what we've just experienced. So would you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you give us inspiration, Lord, and that you put something inside of us in order that we might glorify you with what we do. God, just like Larry was, was singing, all we have is that which you've given us, and God, we're going to use that to glorify you. So we pray that you would come to hear now, Lord, and open our ears and eyes to see what you have for us in your word. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, that was fun. That was very fun. Okay, open up your Bibles to Hebrews 13. I just want to look at one verse this morning. I want to look at one verse. I want to unpack it just a little bit. But we're in the middle of a series right now. Uh, it's called Through Christ, where we're looking and discovering and learning about what it means to live our lives through Christ. So we're going to be looking at one little passage today that talks about that. And I want to have somebody read it. Uh, so I'm just looking at verse 2, but we're going to read a little bit beyond. We're going to read verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. So is there somebody who would like to read for us our passage Verses 1 through 3 will be up on the screen. Anybody who wants to go for it. Donna's going to read for us. She's our reader. Yeah, is that, is that all right? <laughs> yes, thank you. That's it. That's verses 1 through 3. But I want to preach on verse 2 this morning. When I first heard this uh, passage used in a sermon, it was actually at my grandma's funeral. And the pastor preached on this verse because he had experienced hospitality from her and uh, so when I was working on this sermon this week, she was in my mind, I was thinking about her. What does it mean to show hospitality to people? And in fact, I, I want to, today I want to just tell you that I believe that this verse, that the idea of hospitality contains within it everything in Christian faith and practice. Hospitality that one word contains in it everything within Christian faith and practice. And I'm going to explain to you what I mean by that. First of all, as sort of a background, uh, in the first few centuries, it was not a good thing to be a stranger. Roads were very dangerous. And even in the New Testament, you hear about that. There's thieves. There's no state trooper out there making sure that people are not breaking the law. And inns... They did have inns, they didn't have hotels, but they did have inns. But inns were also places that you didn't really want to go to. You're just as likely to have a good night's sleep as you are to be uh, robbed or even um, attacked at an inn um, because of the, the way that things were. So they, it was not a very good thing to be a stranger. To be a stranger is to be an outsider, right? Somebody who's not familiar with the, the culture and the language and the people of the place where they're at. They're, they're natural outsiders, right? So that means that strangers are more susceptible to come upon hard times because they don't have, know anybody around them to protect them or to help them navigate the world that they're in. So the strangers in the first few centuries especially were very in a dangerous spot, physically dangerous to be a stranger, 
And so the churches really grabbed onto this, and hospitality to the strangers became a real marked uh, aspect of what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to be um, a community of Christ. Because, like I was saying last week, churches and Christians, we try and make the concerns and difficulties of other people common with us. And so strangers having a great uh, burden of potential violence against them, Christians went out of their way to make that concern common with them. And so what happened over time was, uh, especially starting in the 4th century, this is a little bit of history, you guys like history, I know you do. Starting in the 4th century when churches began to actually, when communities of Christians actually began to purchase buildings, and they called them churches and, and whatnot, they would often have a small building attached to it, a house or an outbuilding or something like that, that they called a hospice. Hospice, hospitality. And the hospice was a place where a traveler or a stranger or somebody who needed to spend a night or two, they could come and they could stay at the hospice and they would know that they were going to be safe there as attached to a church under the protection of the church. And especially monasteries and, and monastic communities and monks, nuns, that kind of thing. They had hospices that they were known that if you were a traveler, you got one or two good nights of rest there, and you didn't have to worry about anything. They would feed you. They would clothe you. They would help you if you were hurt. And so in communities, as these things began to grow, oftentimes people who were hurt, who were sick, they would go to the hospice at the church. And so eventually, over time, you have the establishment of hospitals. That's where we get that idea from, hospitals. Hospitals are originally the hospitality that the church shows uh, to those who are hurt, right? Hospitality, hospital. How many of you didn't, didn't realize there was a relation between those two words yet? Yep, there you go. Okay, good. <laughs> hospitality and hospital, yeah. It's the same word. And here in this, in this passage, the author of Hebrews wants to commend this to us. He wants, he wants us to know, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. All that to say, to be hospitable, to practice hospitality, means to welcome somebody. It's more than a display of generosity. It's to see somebody and to say, I don't know who you are, but I know that because you are created in the image of God, you have worth. You're worthy of a meal. You're worthy of a roof over your head. I don't know who you are, but I know that you deserve time here, space here, resources to help you on your way. Being hospitable means recognizing the inherent worth of people beyond just being generous. And so when I say that... uh, hospitality is the essence of what it means to be a Christian, of Christian faith and Christian practice. What I mean is that we are attending to what people are on the inside instead of what they're presenting themselves to on the outside. On the outside, they're strangers. On the outside, they're foreign. On the outside, they don't make sense. They look different from us. They think different from us. They act different and speak different from us. That's all they're presenting on the outside. Practicing hospitality means going deeper, pushing in past all the differences that we see on the outside, 
to get to the humanity on the inside. We're not hospitable because we're guaranteed that things will go according to plan. Sometimes they don't. Often they don't. We're hospitable because it's important to affirm that every single person has within them the image of God, just as they are created in the image of God. So I want to turn really briefly to John 1. This is a passage, whenever I think about hospitality, this is the one that comes to my mind. John 1, 10 through 13, it says this. John, the the gospel writer, he's talking about Jesus. He says, he was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. This is what I mean when I say hospitality is at the center of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus came into this world as a stranger. The way that he presented himself to the people around him made them assume that he was not from God because they were unwilling or unable to look past what he was presenting on the outside to understand who he truly was. Jesus came as a stranger to that which was his own, and they should have accepted him. They should have recognized him, but they didn't. They didn't. They were were too caught up with what he was presenting. He's healing people on the Sabbath. That cannot be from God. He's hanging out with prostitutes. That cannot be from God. The way that he's presenting himself on the outside, it has to tell us he can't come from God. But they were so wrong. They had an opportunity to give hospitality to the God of this universe, and instead, they rejected him. And when I say they, what I really mean to say is we. Because I think if we were there, I don't think we would have done anything different. It's easy to say, well, I would have known better, or I would have seen something that other people didn't see. It's really easy to say that 2,000 years on, looking from our vantage point. But if we were honestly there, how many of us would honestly be able to have the fortitude necessary to stand up against all of what everyone else was saying around us and recognize Jesus as who he was? Even Peter, the man who recognizes Jesus, when Jesus says, and who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. Even he, when Jesus was being led to the cross, denies him three times. The one person who absolutely recognizes him ends up denying him and not making a good confession when Jesus is going to the cross. So how could we? I don't think that we would. When I say that they rejected him, what I really mean to say is we rejected him. He came to us. He came to humans. He came to humanity. And humanity was unable to recognize him or unwilling to offer him hospitality. But you have a chance. You have a chance today, brothers and sisters, to do that which we should have done 2,000 years ago. To receive Jesus as the Son of God. To offer him hospitality, even into your own heart. You have an opportunity now to do that. So when I say that hospitality is at the center of Christian faith, that's what I mean. To be a Christian means that you have opened your heart up to Jesus. 
and said, Lord, I want to extend hospitality to you. I want my own life to be a house where you can stay. I want my own spirit to be in communion with you, to sit down to a meal with you, to spend time with you. Brothers and sisters, that is what it means to be a Christian. That we would be so intimately close to Jesus that he would be like he was living with us. Would you open your heart up to him in a way that we weren't able to do 2,000 years ago, but today, even today, you have an opportunity to do that. And when I say also that it's not just the emphasis on Christian faith, but it's also the emphasis on Christian practice, what I mean is this. If you would want to turn with me, you can. I'm just going to summarize a passage out of Matthew 25. Jesus is talking about what's going to happen in the end of days, and he says, he says this. This is, this is the Stephen Revised version. This is just a summary. He says, when the Son of Man comes, this is how it's going to work. All the nations of the world are going to appear before him. And he's going to separate the people into two groups of people. He's going to put some to his right. He's going to put some to his left. Yeah. And he's going to go to those who are on his right. And he's going to say, come, you, blessed of the Lord, come into my kingdom. Come into my eternal rest. I'm going to tell you why you can come. Because when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was in prison, and when I was in a nursing home, you came and you visited me, and you were with me. And when I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. Look at that. That's verse 35. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. And all those on his right, all the righteous people who have been invited into his rest, they're going to turn to Jesus and they're going to say, Lord, I don't know what you're talking about. I appreciate the compliments and, of course, very happy to enter into your rest. But really, I have no idea what you're saying. I never saw you hungry or thirsty or naked or in prison. I never saw you in any of those places. I never saw you as a stranger and welcomed you in. And Jesus will turn to them and say, actually, you know what? Every single time you fed and gave water to and clothed and visited, every single time you welcomed a stranger in, you were doing it to me. I may have appeared to you as somebody else, but you were doing it to me. And then, of course, the other side of it, he turns to those on the other side, and he says to them, get away from me, because I was hungry, and you did not feed me. And I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. And I was naked, and I was tired, and I was cold, and you wouldn't attend to me. And I was in prison, and I was in a nursing home, and you wouldn't visit me. And I was a stranger, and you wouldn't let me in. And they're going to say, now, Jesus, come now, please. Please, surely if we had seen you hungry, we would have given you something to eat. If we would have seen you naked, of course, Jesus, of course, we would have clothed you. I don't remember ever seeing you naked or hungry or thirsty or in prison. I never remember seeing you as a stranger. I never turned you away. And Jesus will say to them, insofar as you did not do it, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters. 
so you did not do it to me. Are we willing to recognize Jesus today by our behavior? Of course, recognizing Jesus by faith and allowing the hospitality of our heart to be open to him is something that we should do every day. It's something that you can do right now. But brothers and sisters, once you leave this church, your obligation to Christ does not end at the doors of this church. Jesus wants to know, are you going to accept me by the aspect of your behavior? St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she was recently made a saint, so I can say that now. Uh, She was asked one day, why does she serve the most desperate and needy people in the world? on the streets of Calcutta, and she said this. She said, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. When we see the world through Christ, we begin to see Jesus in those who need hospitality. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. The hospitality that God has shown us, he expects us also to show to others. And sometimes, I want to just admit to you right now, sometimes hospitality is really easy to do. We had a, we had a guy, I, I don't know if you noticed, they were sitting kind of in the back here, Matthew and Deanna DeBlanc, and Del Blanc, and uh, if they're ever listening to this, God bless you guys. They are, they are pastors up near Vancouver, B.C. And they were on a sabbatical, and they were taking some time, and they drove through town. And I got an email about three weeks ago that said, Hey, I'm a four-square pastor. Uh, we're from Vancouver. We're traveling through town. Can we park on the premises? Because they had an RV. And, of course, we said, Yes, please, of course, come. Come. And we gave them a key so they can get in and use the uh, facilities. They had three kids with them. And it was... It was easy, <laughs> so easy for a four-square pastor to tell another four-square pastor, yeah, of course, of course you can come. I know you. I don't, I don't know him personally, but I, I know you because we're brothers in, in the same, same denomination, actually, and we're both pastors, and you, you have a family, and gosh, this is really easy to do. And I knew I could trust him, and we did. And he was wonderfully trustworthy, cleaned up after himself and whatnot. Sometimes hospitality is really easy. Sometimes it's more difficult. You know, we have family promise coming in September. Um, Debbie just rocked out, otherwise I could get the exact dates from her, but it's posted in the back. Thank you, sir. Starts on the 8th. We have family promise here. If you don't know family promise, you haven't been here for very long because uh, we talk about every time it comes through. We house homeless families through family promise downstairs, and we house them for a matter of two weeks, and we do it four times a year, something like that. Three three or four times a year, and, um, and we, we provide food for them, and they sleep downstairs. Now, that's a bit more risky, isn't it? We don't get to decide who walks through our building. That's up to Family Promise to decide. They're their own organization. Now, they have rules. They have ways of, of, of vetting people and allowing, but we don't know. And for the second week that they're here, we're not the ones sleeping here. Other churches provide volunteers to sleep here. We don't know who these people are personally. Maybe some of you do in the community. But that's a little more risky, isn't it? You lose a little bit of control over that. That's hospitality, isn't it? 
It's hospitality. And in fact, I would say that the most difficult kind of hospitality is that which you extend to people that you would normally not even want to be around. That's a hard hospitality right there. In the Azusa Street Revival, this is 1906, it's the beginning of the Pentecostal movement. Things are going crazy. It's Azusa Streets in Los Angeles, and people are speaking in tongues. There's healings. It's a revival that's going to spark what we call the modern Pentecostal movement. Uh, one quarter of all Christians today, one quarter, that's like 250 million people, identify as Pentecostal or charismatic. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And it all started, the, the genesis of it, I had some things behind it, but the genesis, the real explosion of it was 1906 in Los Angeles, California, at a little place called the Azusa Street Mission. And one of the most dynamic parts of this revival, and one of the things that I think is just amazing, just blows my mind even to think about it, they had services basically 24-7. They didn't have a set start time and end time. It was just whoever showed up would just show up and they'd start the service, and, and they never told anybody what they were preaching on, and they never had scheduled preaching. Sometimes the guy who was in charge of his name was William Seymour. He would preach sometimes. Other times, this is the amazing thing, Christians in the area, pastors or Christians, had heard, began to hear about this movement. And, and as these things go, some people are very excited about it, but most people are very apprehensive about what's happening here. Speaking in tongues wasn't really that common, um, and healing wasn't really that. So there's some apprehension among some pastors. And in fact, some pastors felt like it was their duty to shut the whole thing down. So they would come to these Azusa Street meetings. And when they came, they would be offered the opportunity to preach. And the story goes that pastors would come in with the intent of preaching a sermon that would shut down the revival. And they'd stand up, and they'd start preaching, and they'd preach for an hour, and then they'd just sit down, and it would continue. The Spirit of God was so present there, and people had such a high trust in the Spirit of God that they would even allow somebody who wanted to destroy them to be present and speak their peace, because they knew that if this was truly the work of God, it would continue regardless of what this person said. And oftentimes, the pastor who had come to shut the whole thing down got anointed by the Holy Spirit and brought the Pentecost revival back to the church that they were pastoring. That is radical hospitality. It's easy to be hospitable to those we're most similar with. It's difficult to be hospitable to those whom we have no control over. But it is almost impossible to be hospitable to those who honestly we would disagree with on the most fundamental level. And I want to say right now, as a caveat to that, that we should always use discernment when we're being hospitable. I was sitting with Charles. Charles is the pastor down at Toledo Foursquare, and he's, he's sort of a spiritual mentor for the Foursquare pastors in this area. And I was sitting with him the other day. And we, had, we have these like long, drawn-out conversations. If you know Charles at all, you know that he's long-winded, and he goes on rabbit trails. And if you know me at all, you know that I'm long-winded and I go on rabbit trails. So whenever we get together, these conversations start here and they could end up miles away in a very different area. So I don't even know how we got on the topic of, uh, uh, of, that we were talking about. But we, get, we asked the, the, the philosophical question, whom should the church refuse? Whom should the church refuse? 
the, the initial reaction that you think is nobody. But as Charles and I kind of talked about it, what he said was, you know, he, this is what he would say, I, I think that we should only refuse those whom wish to destroy the church. And I thought that was really interesting. And then if you read in, in, uh, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus explained to his disciples, he says, I'm the good shepherd. When I, when I come to my sheep, I walk through the gate. Because I'm interested in doing good by my sheep. But when the thief comes to the sheep, he crawls over the edge of the, of the wall. He doesn't want to come through the gate. He crawls over the edge of the wall in order to get to the sheep. I do think there's a place for discernment. I do think there's a place to say, you know what? We appreciate you. If there was Satan worshipers who came and wanted to use our facility, I would say, you know what? Uh, God be with you. God bless you. But that's not something we're going to allow you to do here. Right? Because we don't allow thieves to come in and take things. We, we don't leave the doors wide open so that people can come and take things. So you need to use discernment, but it's important not to let your heart grow callous. See, that's the, that's the balance, and I understand it's a balance, and you need to work on that balance. Jesus says, be as wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves. You need to do both. You need to keep your heart soft towards the things of God, while at the same time being on guard against the, the intentions of the, of the enemy who would want to see God's work destroyed. So when I say hospitality, but I want you to know that the, the assumption should always be to be hospitable. Until somebody presents themselves in such a way where I say, this is dangerous, I want to be hospitable. Because God doesn't say, be hospitable to those who deserve hospitality. Because frankly, if that were the case, none of us should deserve hospitality. And of course, the greatest display of hospitality we have is the cross. It's the place at which God makes room for himself, for us inside himself. Where God reaches out to us with open arms and says, come, come to me. It's the ultimate act of hospitality. Come to me. Come inside. Let me care for you. Are you hungry? Let me, let me feed you. Are you thirsty? Let me give you water. Are you sick? Come and be healed. Are you oppressed by sin? Let me cleanse you. That's the hospitality of God. It's displayed through the cross of Jesus. God, through Christ, has made space for you. God, through Christ, has opened up his house to you and said, come in, come in. Today, Jesus is longing to be with you. Revelation 3.20 is a passage that we could probably, most of us could quote. I like how the contemporary English Bible translates says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to be with them and will have dinner with them. And they will have dinner with me. Today, Today, friends, will you hear Jesus knocking at your door? Will you in faith accept and receive the gift of the Son of God? Will you reciprocate God's own hospitality by allowing Christ to come into the house of your own heart? In faith, you have an opportunity to do that which we didn't do 2,000 years ago. 
and accept Christ into, his, into our place to make space in our life for Christ. And then secondly, brothers and sisters, will you in practice make space for Christ in others? Today, God has shown you hospitality. And brothers and sisters, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. As we kind of move forward as a church, as a movement, as people, as Christians, as sons and daughters of Christ, I want to encourage you, be on the lookout Because Jesus might come to you in the most unsuspecting manner. Jesus might come to you disguised as somebody in need. Somebody to whom you can be hospitable towards. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will give you eyes to see and ears to hear. That the house of your heart would be open to him. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you not as a people who are considered to be enemies of you. We come to you, Lord, not as a people who are shut out of your house. God, today we're going to come to you as if we were ones who at former times were enemies with you, but now through Christ You have opened yourself up to us. We come as children who, having gone and done our own thing for so long and ignored you for so long, come back to our house expecting to see you sternly warding us off. And instead we find you running towards us with your arms extended. Lord, we don't come before you today as people, as if we should come before you. Because in all reality, you should not extend hospitality to us. Jesus, you yourself demonstrated what happened when you wanted to be hospitable with us. We cast you out and we killed you. And yet you come back to us. And so, Lord, I pray right now for those hearts in this room that are beginning to make their way back to you for those hearts in this room that are beginning to find their way back to you. Back to a God who we expect to be full of anger, but instead is full of love and grace and mercy. And Lord, I pray if there's somebody here today who says, I I need that mercy in my life. I, I need that mercy there's somebody here today who says, I want to open my heart up. I I want to join Jesus today. I want to let him in. I want him to come and eat dinner with me. I want to eat dinner with him. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you for a step of faith. I'm going to ask you to just put your hand up in the air so I can see it. If you would say, I need Jesus to come into my life right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for those souls. Thank you, Lord, for those people. I'm going to go ahead and invite the prayer team up. Prayer team, can you come on up? Jim and John, come on up.
I'm going to be up here as well. Would you mind coming up, Donna? Is that all right? I'd appreciate it if you did, just so we get some ladies up here. Adrian, would you mind coming up? Thank you. If you raised your hand, if you feel like you need to have Jesus come into your heart today, I want to encourage you. We're going to have a time of prayer. Come and find somebody up here and just say, you know what? I just need to be with Jesus. I just need Jesus to be inside of me. They want to pray with you. They want to encourage you. Okay? And right now, we're going to pray again. Lord, for those among us who have said, Lord, I have accepted you in faith, but in practice, I have been neglectful of you. If there are those of us today who would say, Lord, in my mind and in my spirit and in my mouth, I have accepted you, but in my body, I have not displayed that hospitality. I want to encourage you. Jesus has a plan for you. His plan is that the way that you show hospitality to others is to advance his kingdom. So don't be neglectful of it. Don't be neglectful of that gift that you have. God has put that gift inside of you. So if there's others here today who would say, I have accepted Jesus into my heart, but I need to work on my body. I need to live this out more. I need to learn what it means to feed the hungry and to give water to those who are thirsty. Would you raise your hand? I want to encourage you. Would you take a step of faith and say, I I need to learn how to do that in my body, what I believe in my heart to do. Yes, thank you. I want to encourage you, if you feel so led also, when we move into a time of prayer together, come forward, receive prayer, that God would strengthen your spirit and give you what you need. And so, Lord, for these people here, God, I ask that you would be at work within us, Jesus. Begin to work through us, Jesus. I want to ask, Larry, can I... Can I ask you to come up and just play some songs in the background for us on the guitar? We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to have a time of of ministry. If you would like to receive some prayer, please come up. Please be prayed for. Otherwise, please sit, worship where you are. You can read your scripture. You can pray silently. And in a few minutes, I'm going to just speak a benediction over us, and we're going to go down and eat some food together. But let's use this time. Don't neglect this time to come before God and experience his presence. Thank you, Lord.